Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Dig it up, bum, bum, dig it. Dig it up, bum, bum. Oh. Hey, everyone. Dig it up, bum, bum, dig it. Yep. Dig it up, bum, bum. I got two shirts, two tokens in hand. <laughs> I'm here with my friend EJ. What's up? I'm here with my friend Matt. And I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. We're doing it twice because we've done this one twice. I just want everyone to know. I just want everyone to know at the top of this it's episode. Just we're doing this one twice because we've done this one twice. <laughs> I went to EJ's house two days ago, uh-huh. and we recorded this episode. Yes, and then it died, and then it wasn't. I don't have to explain myself, no, but it, it wasn't. Re- it wasn't okay. So I just want everyone to know the energy going into this episode is that EJ and I have already had this conversation. And let me tell you, it's a great one. What a good episode we have for you yeah. today. I I can give you a. a solid assurance that today's episode it's pretty good because i've done it before i've lived it yeah yeah i've also lived it and i've i've done it before and (laughs) you and me are here again now uh this was a great book uh we uh i'm really a little bit sad that that episode was lost because i I know it's really good yeah we found (laughs) now it's just gonna be us like here's something i can spoil that past matt didn't have spoiled we're going to talk about race today. And I wasn't oh, expecting yeah. that from an episode about holes. I forgot. And then and yeah. then EJ and I went hard. And those are points I want to bring up again. So anyways, let's get past the energy of confound it. We're doing this again. And let's talk about holes by Lewis yeah. Satcher. Yeah, Lewis Satcher, uh, an excellent writer. Uh, you know, honestly, I read a lot of his other stuff is really, really early stuff. The Wayside School um, oh. stuff, sideways stories from Wayside School. And if you haven't read those, um, very old books, but I think what he is most known for in my eyes up until Holes. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't heard of anything actually in between mm-hmm. those books and Holes. So uh, I can pretty confidently say that these are his best books. Yeah. Well, this one's a Newberry winner too, so the world certainly oh, agrees yeah. that this and the is National a National Book Award. Yeah. Winner, yeah, this everyone knows this book is the real thing. And that's that, that's the reason EJ and I are excited about to talk about it again because dang, this is a good book and everybody knows it, huh? Uh it's a, and, it's a work of art, yeah. Yeah, I I I think so what happened was I went to the library and we uh obviously last week we promised you uh, some episodes coming up and this isn't either of the episodes we talked about nope. but it's because uh, we're still t- I'm trying to finish a couple of them and I was at the library the other day and was like EJ what if we do like a stone cold classic we should just do a classic and I and I rattled a few off we were really mean to the hatchet recently and I was like what if we did the hatchet because I feel mm-hmm. like maybe I would it think more for- it, it deserves a revisit but when I mentioned holes EJ was like oh I can talk about holes I can let's All do holes <laughs> And so we did, and yeah. now we're doing it again. And that's what's so good about Holes itself. But yeah, yeah no, this this book is uh, high-octane front to back. This yeah. thing, um, there's no wasted space oh in this book. The plot of this book is airtight. You yeah. could say that there are no holes in it. <laughs> you 
could say that. One could say <laughs> there's no holes in holes. Yeah, I was actually amazed by like how not only uh, there's no wasted space, but it's yeah. also tight. Like it, it's it's oh yeah, it's a quick read. Honestly, like mm-hmm. a, a very very quick read. I mean, I listened to it, uh, which was a great a great little listen. I will say the narrator mm-hmm. of uh, the version I listened to was. Good, but also a little of that, like, you know, 40-year-old reading as a 15-year-old yeah, or whatever. A little tough. bit of that, but not too yeah. bad. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think that this book, like, it's kind of astounding how every single word of it, every moment mm-hmm. is used again. It is just, it, it, there's, there's, like you said, there's, like, it's airtight. There's not, there's no wasted space. Uh, it's it is like a mystery novel, even though there's a it's really a quick mystery. It's like what's going on at Camp Green Lake, basically. Right, right. But there are a million intersections of every character and every nuance and every just like a thing will get brought up, and then seven chapters later, it will be called back as like a critically important detail. Important. And yeah. and if anything too, that's like what rewards the reread of this book. It's like just as fun having seen the movie and read the book before in my life to reread the book and be like, oh wow, there's even more like little elements of every single thing is used well it's impossible to talk about this book without also talking about the movie as well and one of the things that uh, i was kind of confused about was whenever i was listening to the audiobook i was so confused i i didn't at the time when i started the audiobook i didn't realize that lewis satcher had had not only uh written the book but Uh also wrote the screenplay to the movie so at one point (laughs) i thought that I was reading a book that was based on the movie that was based on the book. So the I was very of the movie based right, on the yes. novel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was like, I don't know if, what I'm reading, but it, it makes sense. Once I learned that yeah. Lewis Satcher wrote the, uh, yeah. wrote the screenplay as well. I was yeah. like, Oh, well duh. Of course everything is, I mean, it's the perfect movie adaptation. Right. It's the perfect book in a lot of respects yeah and maybe uh you know it's definitely in the top three books that we've read yeah uh since starting this. well show. and it's a very cinematic book so it makes yeah. sense why it was incredibly easy for lewis satcher to translate it over i mean there are a few parts of holes where he's like kind of literally describing some shots or whatever like there's there's a few cinematic mm-hmm. camera angles somewhat God's described thumb. in there yeah stuff like that um, and so it, I think the most interesting part of all of that is the, the editing work that is done. And by that, I mean like the film editing, oh, yeah. you know, the, the back and forth, the flashback stuff, uh, mm-hmm. in the movie, it's spread out a little bit more. Uh, if anything, that's kind of it's the very only, yeah. that's like one of two notable changes and mm-hmm. it's not even a change, right? It's a reorganization in this first instance. Right. This is just like, ah, hey, yeah, we stretched out some of the, uh, some of the green lake as a town stuff instead of it being like in the book, it's like one solid chapter. You get the whole love story right. and that's, you know, that's the end of it or whatever. Uh, and, and in the movie, it's a lot more back and forth. Yeah, I would say that in the book, I, I actually found it really interesting in the book that it was just that one chapter of yeah. like the old Camp Green Lake and right. kissing Kate Barlow and Sam and all of those folks. Right. Um, but yeah, the way that this uh, this book sets up in the beginning, um, you know, you you are left with this character. The oh, the biggest, the other biggest change, I guess, would be that Stanley in the book is overweight. 
Yeah, yeah, um, right. And so that was like the other big thing. But obviously, they wouldn't do that to a young kid who's like overweight. <laughs> like right. They, they were like gonna sort like, of poke fun at. I don't know. I mean, uh, well, I mean, no, armpits they, there he makes a big. Well, yeah, armpits there. But what I'm saying there's is, a big change. In the book, there's a big change, that's right? right. Like, yeah, that's true. Stanley, by the end of the book, is like kind of skin and bones. Right. Like he's. It doesn't really make. He does like, spend a week obvious. and a half eating only onions. Yeah, uh, and, well, and longer than that, digging holes for a long time. <laughs> and yeah, he sort of turns yeah. into his a, heart a health went thing. way up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I think too. I mean, that's obviously also like just a they they wanted a a sort of vehicle for for Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. So my experience with this book growing up was I didn't know anything about it. It was never assigned to us in class. But right. the movie was set to come out, and I just loved Shia LaBeouf. I'm a, I was a big Even Stevens oh, kid. I, I, I loved Shia LaBeouf was basically my favorite actor, as it were. I and, liked, uh, I liked Shia LaBeouf. Okay, yeah, I mean, no, I loved whatever. Him. Was, I liked uh, his older sister in that show. Sure, I did yeah, her. I did too. Uh, Christy Carlson Romano, That's she who was it amazing. Is, yeah. um, so I was just stoked for this movie. I was excited for my boy, Shia. Oh, he's on the big screen now. Let's go see him. And I went and bought this book like right mm-hmm. before going to theater and was reading some of it. Like it was the kind of thing where it was like literally on the way to the movie theater. I bought the book and read a few chapters, then watched the movie, then finished the book. I like sandwiched the movie in between two slices Did of book bread. Did you put together? Did you put together at the time how close they were? Um... I think so, yeah, but also I mean, you'd have I, to. You'd right? have to. I was I was young enough that I don't think I would have expected any less. Basically, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're I not guess you hadn't seen enough adaptations, right? You're not yeah. cognizant of like the number of times drastic changes are changed to a movie. It's like my right. expectation was that they would be right. the same. So why would I kind of take note of that? But it is noteworthy now to see right, how one to one it is. Yeah, yeah, one-to-one uh, book-to-films don't happen if you don't yeah. know anything about these things translating. Yeah. I mean, even the Harry Potter series, uh, even though we uh, vowed not to talk about that on our show <laughs> for the most part, um, even that series, yeah. I mean, it lacks in terms of what all is left out right, uh, for sure. going into those movies. You know, it gets the general overall feel, but well, I think people who are the fa- fans of those books, which isn't this show. Yeah. <laughs> and that, <laughs> I mean, that speaks to, books. think about how long the Harry Potter books are. You yeah. can't, it, there's a level I mean, of detail that's They're impossible. Like three hour movies. Yeah, too. exactly. And it's, it's impossible not to leave stuff out, but that's like the thing about holes is it's this quick, tight read, no wasted space every moment. I mean, honestly, too. It's like an hour and a half movie. What too. could you take out, right? Yeah. Every detail yeah. is so critically used. I think the They're problem like with two... adapting this is you couldn't change a single detail because right. it rely like something else later relies on it. The only thing that you could possibly maybe do, and it, what's so funny is, is that it translates better in the movie than it does in the book. But the the thing you could do is actually take some of these characters yeah. out that are a little bit like kind of like chaff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I mean, there's like there's like eight or nine of these kids, yeah. right? And we really in the book only get to like I don't know really get to like three of them, yeah. three or four of them. I think so. But in the movie, it's crazy it, because it's like. 
actually these kids are really necessary because yeah. you get to see their reactions like they're a part of every scene mm-hmm. they're there and they are important in that movie setting which yeah really makes me wonder if lewis asher just always planned on this being a movie <laughs> i wonder yeah i i kind of, it feels like there was that sort of vibe to it i love bringing up that thing about the other kids this like that group of boys is such yeah. a sort of iconic group to me now it's like the lost boys it's like these things of yeah like like you said it's it them being in the movie the way they are i mean armpit is in the book all like i feel like he gets mentioned twice armpit zero and x-ray are really the big three well i guess my point was even armpit to me was less a part of it but in the movie he feels like a big deal he's a huge presence he's all it's just his presence yeah yeah exactly and that's the whole thing of the casting of that movie is so spectacular because right. every kid has that dynamic. Every kid right. is like, their I can pinpoint it and remember their names and remember what right. they're like and like their their big scenes. And every kid gets a big scene. Like it's right. yeah, Magnet, it, it's really amazing. Uh, squid, all yeah. of them. Zigzag, zigzag, who's yeah. like this zigzag, who's like clearly like a twenty five year old. I mean, maybe not, but like Zigzag is this huge person. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he's massive, right? He's towering yeah, all yeah. The, over all the other kids. So it's it's very it's a very very fun dynamic. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that I think that we have to think that Lewis Asher wrote this book with a with a screenplay in mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't. I just don't know why you would introduce all of these characters because in the book, that like you said. They're not. You don't really hear much from Magnet. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear much from Zigzag. You right. know, Zigzag has that one scene with uh, with Stanley, and uh, and then Squid has that one scene with Stanley, and you're yeah. like, that's kind of it, right? <laughs> right? Know? Yeah. Like you don't hear from, and even Armpit, like Armpit, like walks up and makes yeah. fun of some people a couple of times. And then, Armpit's and the then one the who gets the sequel, right? They, there's a spinoff yeah. follow up, and Armpit gets his mm-hmm. whole own book. That's amazing. Yeah. Like the third book in the series, actually. Yeah. There's technically a second book in between them but oh yeah uh, yeah it's it's it is interesting that that would be the character that you know uh, lewis chose to run with looking at the time frame here too there's almost no way lewis satcher like basically didn't have the screenplay right. ready to go it had to 98 been. is the book 2003 is the movie yeah which means you have to Filming assume they filmed 2002 ish that's the four latest. years to make a movie happen that you know doesn't happen, crazy? bud. You know what would be actually crazy is if that were also true and the fact that if they did film in 2002, turning this movie around into to what it is yeah. and how good it is is kind of like a feat in itself. Yeah. Like, I honestly, there's really not like if you really think about the movie itself, there's not like a ton of set pieces. Right. Like they get to use like a wide open desert, essentially. Like there's a school bus, there's a small house. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. There's not much going on here. Right. Like maybe like they had to go to like the mountains for a couple of days to film yeah. film the Elia Yelnat scene. It looks with, like it was it was a ten um, week shoot in the summer of two thousand and two. That's that's incredible. That's quick. That's a. I mean, that's, that's indie for two thousand two. That's indie film speed. Ten weeks. That's two thousand two <laughs> yeah. too. That's we're not talking like yeah okay you can get an indie film done these days like what like six Sweet. week shoots yeah, probably definitely. Um, but versus versus back then, we're talking a full blown production. It's just incredible. Yeah. It's just incredible that this book exists. It's incredible that that movie exists, yeah. and that it exists in our minds in such a 
uh, a lovely capacity. What's funny is, is neither of us rewatched the movie. Before I know this. And you know what? I had a second and we chance. Had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I could have watched we it in the chance. last two days yep. and I still yep. didn't. Yeah. We decided wow. not to. We're dumb. We're dumb. Big dumb boys. And yeah, we, we knew that this uh, recording was, was totally <laughs> bunk. Like, I don't know, like, like two days ago, yeah. we still were like, yeah, let's not Whatever. watch the movie. Well, Whatever. uh, I, I do want to say too uh, the other one other big change in the movie which is not that big of a deal in fact I I prefer the movie's thing about it but there, there's a whole thing in the in the desert or more importantly on God's thumb they're, they're traveling it's funny that we haven't described the plot oh, of this yeah. book at all everybody just knows I'm just assuming everybody knows you we'll know get the into plot it. because you've seen the movie you've, I mean you've, you've done se- it all, if you've yeah. seen the movie you don't need to read the book but sure. still read the book anyways it's because so it's still it's the movie yeah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you yeah this is a it's story great. worth so reliving good. but there is a bit more in there of like Stanley going back down the mountain, finding a shovel, seeing how far he actually went down, the, like realizing how far he carried zero up the mountain, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that, that's the only other thing like left out. Uh, let, right. Let's actually talk about some of what's in this book. There's essentially okay. uh, what three timelines. So there's Stanley and his adventure, and he yeah, gets that's the uh, main story. He gets arrested for stealing shoes, which he didn't steal. Mm, they dropped treats. on his head, and uh, he he took off. And if you think uh, that's pretty intense punishment for just like some mm-hmm. shoes being stolen, it's an important <laughs> note that those shoes were part of a charity drive that were basically like multi thousand dollar like, shoes. Yeah, they were like- <laughs> Ten to twenty thousand dollars shoes. Like they were, they were going towards like uh, you know those uh, charity drives where you go to a homeless shelter yeah. and buy like a hundred dollar plate and right. a food that's like what they would eat also, and then yeah. you would like bid on some items, and essentially all of it would go to benefit the shelter. So that's that's what these shoes were. Uh, it communicates that I think better in the movie because yeah. they can kind of again like. Film is incredible. You can just show, not tell, right? Right. And that movie does a great job of showing, not telling, and that's why in the book it's a little bit, it's left a little bit more vague. In the book, uh, it, it feels like a memory, out. right? Instead of a right, flashback, right. it's like Stanley thinking memory. about mm-hmm. what it was like for Sweet Feet to testify right. against him. Whereas in the movie, it's like, right. no, 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 let's show the scene of this yeah. happening to him. Of everything. this, like his hero basically yeah. telling him, like, you're no fan of mine, right. essentially. Like, right. It's way more intense. Like, it's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so there's that, um, and then there's the second, I would say the second most important plot line is probably Kate Barlow and Sam, right? Exactly, yeah. So that's uh, so the, the, the camp that Stanley gets sent to is Camp Green Lake, which is a dried-up right. lake that is now a desert, where right. that town used to be the town of Green about Lake years ago. about 100 years ago, and there's this woman of legend, this infamous outlaw named Kissin' Kate Barlow, and you mm-hmm. get a whole backstory of when she was a school teacher and uh, this whole story of her like, falling in love with a black onion seller, a, a, a black onion monger, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, at that time, she gets, she, she gets caught kissing him and well, we're at a pretty awful time in American history where yeah. that's not handled especially well by the uh, the the town itself. You know what's cool about this book, real quick, because this goes along with that. Yeah, this book is just folklore. Like yeah. the way that it is told, it is told like folklore, right? Yeah, it is told in this like you you make these people larger than life, yeah. like Jesse James it's and true. Like, 
like outlaws of the old west and not um, just that even even stanley's the third plot line is about stanley's no good right, dirty rotten pig stealing great great grandfather but it's yeah. told as this family legend this is all about it's like almost the fantastical. stories yeah everything is so fantastical and that's kind of what elevates everything being described is it goes beyond um you know I, I think about the lightning thief. I think about Percy Jackson a lot yes. when reading this book because it's kind yeah. of a similar uh, demographic and a certain fantasticalness, except for lightning thief is like way more on the nose with it's like it's basically a superhero story or whatever. Whereas Holes mm-hmm. kind of tricks you. Holes is like, yeah, it's about this kid. But also yeah. it is about ages gone by <laughs> and the, the stories are families passed down right. from generation to generation. It's like it becomes so much larger than itself. Right, yeah, like uh, like the kissing Kate Barlow stuff is definitely just like a story that you would have picked up like in the nonfiction yeah. section, but it would have but it would have been like a retelling and like right. some like you know really like making her larger than life yeah. way versus the other type of folklore, which is just this family story yeah. that nobody else really knows about. Yeah. Right. Like yep. nobody, the only people that know about this story are Stanley Yelnats, dad and his grandfather. Right. Like those are the only people that tell this story. And there's no proof they, of it. Like there's, it's, right. re, it's mentioned a number right. of times in the text of like, right. we don't Madame know what Zeroni. actually happened. Are we all just complaining about bad luck or is there actually a family curse or is this right. all just a bunch of, cursed you know, by Madame Zeroni. Like right. what kind of name is Madame Zeroni? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who is Myra, whatever right. her name is. Right. Like all right. these Myra Minky is her name. Uh, <laughs> Igor Barkov. Like it's just, <laughs> It's so, it feels made up, right? Yeah. Like it feels like a way of coping with the fact that your family's really unlucky right. versus then it in the end becoming this like, oh, it was a true story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that that Lewis uses basically two types of folk tales and, and merges them into this one like beautiful ending of yeah. a story and like how yeah. everything comes together so perfectly right and like yeah is it a tight bow is it like a really sweet well, like nice bow that gets put I on would, it my, the the big thing for me is what i love about it is it doesn't overly tie it up in a bow because what it does is for a lot of this stuff it spreads it out it does not yeah what i like I, i'm a i'm a weird person who doesn't like um psycho by uh you know by old Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. I'm not a big fan of that movie because it's kind of mysterious for oh, a long it's way time. Too much of a and then right at the end, that let's bow explain sucks. everything. That bow sucks. Yeah, I don't like. It that, is the worst ending of a Hitchcock film. Right, by a lot. right. Even though it's like, oh, but it's explaining the twist. It's very what, good. The, what's beautiful about Holes is it doesn't do that. It doesn't save right. everything for the end. It's doling out answers to riddles kind of constantly. So. Every time you get a new answer, you still get a couple new riddles to carry you forward. So it never feels like everything's being wrapped up perfectly. There's a happy ending, but it's like over the course of many mysteries resolving themselves. That's what I'm getting at is that the bow is more is is slowly. I'm not saying it's just like wrapped up and then like tied up. I'm saying that, yes, it ends with just like a happy little bow. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, And which is fine. Like it's fine for this style of book. And like you said, it makes it even better that it ends that way like it's not hokey that it ends that way because we know even though we might know it's coming mm-hmm. the whole book does such a good job of leaving you in suspense yeah. just long enough every single time it just leaves you in suspense yeah. like from the time that stanley steals the water truck from the time that x-ray mm-hmm. finds the thing you know like from the time that the warden 
traps them in a hole. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like it you there's always stakes that continue right. to like get pushed pushing the story further without it feeling so like unrealistic yeah there's a tension within just a scene by itself and it's like it doesn't even matter if you know everything plot wise is going to work out in the end you're still like yeah but what's going to happen at the end of this scene i mean you know there's a whole thing of them on the mountain and you're like i don't know they're starving that's an issue that needs to get resolved right now and yeah I, i i think on the micro level it's perfect little scenes like constantly sort of pacing you through the whole book it's it's we talked about mort's beautiful pacing last week this yeah. is another week of just like wow what a master another class level of, even. Of it's pacing. like a, yeah it is i would say this is i mean i would say this is almost better yeah uh, the only the only thing that makes mort's pacing better is that mort has more to say there's more character work being done in yeah more, right? I think the that, big thing here well, is I there's not a bunch of impressive. characters learning lessons there's stanley figuring stuff out and there's some changes that Stanley undergoes a little bit, but mostly this is about all of the nuances of the plot points intersecting with each other. I think Mort is more impressive in the way that it can it can do that, right? Like mm-hmm. at the very kind of like in the last third of Mort, yeah, it does such a good job of just like everything that you've learned to that point in Mort to where the climax feels weighty, yeah, versus. In holes, I will say, if there is a knock on holes, it almost doesn't earn. It almost doesn't earn that the the scene where where Stanley and Zero are locked in that hole. Yeah, it, I I would say it does, but I would say that you could make a case right. that them being trapped in that hole looking for that treasure is kind of is almost unearned of a climax mm-hmm. because it because of how well that the rest of the story is set up. It's yeah. just another like kind of plot point versus like this, like building of tension to this yeah. one moment versus right. Mort with the fight with death and more like a whole spoilers is like climax. a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's a whole build up to that moment where they have that really good scene yeah. and it is very earned. So, yeah. Well, I'm similar to that too. That's another thing that I didn't think about. The the movie kind of skips too, which I'm not. I don't have a big problem with. It's sort of like they're on the mountain, and then it's like, all right, let's cut to them <laughs> they're just back like to in camp. The hole. Yeah. Whereas there is like a good chapter of like they do have to get yeah. back, and it sells the idea too that like the onions they ate at the top of God's thumb have like super revitalized them. It's like they were dying on their way to the mountain, but they'd like get back to camp and they're, you know, they're good. They're good to go. Uh, it's, it's really not a big deal uh, for them to make it back. Um, well, let's talk about the antagonists. Yeah. Sure there's, there's some big stuff to, to talk about. So first off, the main antagonist of the whole thing is the warden who, right. uh, it's very early on sort of tease the idea of like, you know, someone asks, why are we digging these holes? What are we looking for? And the warden says, you're not looking for anything. You're just right. building character. And right. that's obviously a lie. And we all know it's a lie. And the mystery that's revealed is she is uh, the the descendant of someone looking for the treasure uh, that Kiss and Kate Barlow uh, is mm-hmm. known to have. So somewhere on this lake, there is a hidden treasure that this woman is trying to get after. And... What's astounding Patricia to Arquette. me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Patricia Arquette, but just, now Sigourney the Weaver is the one Arquette after it. Yeah, <laughs> is in this movie. It's crazy. It. I love her First so time, much. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, like, I what is astounding to me is this whole operation exists, and uh, with 
her works. Actually, what's funny to me is in the movie, it feels like the mm. only other two characters are Mr. Sir and Mr. Pendansky, uh, played oh, by yeah. John Voight and... And Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. There we go. I always forget his name. Uh, I, and those feel like the only three people that work here, but the book does mention like other counselors existing. I yeah. think the movie took a better choice there because the nope. way the warden treats her <laughs> staff doesn't make any sense right. for an adult to endure unless they are also incarcerated. On the plane. Or what's never addressed, but I feel like has to be a factor is it's assumed these people are in on it and will get a cut of the treasure if they find it or something. I think- I think Tim Blake Nelson's character actually gives that away in the movie at the end. Oh, really? He is very, like, you can tell, like, when he walks up to the warden, he's like, well, there is no record of Hector's around. Yeah, yeah, he, they're really trying like, to pull some crimes. Right, here. <laughs> and you can tell he's trying to get out. Like, him and Mr. Sir are both trying to leave. Like, yeah. if you remember in the right. movie, like, That's they're right. very much, like, in the background, like, oh, Literally, we've been like, caught. They have so, the burglar mask on and are, like, sneaking right. away. <laughs> yep, they're trying to get out of out of Dodge. But, uh, yeah, so in the book, it's a little less clear, but... Yeah. I think in the end, you still get the same idea that, like, yes, they, there's no way that she could slap yeah, Mr. Sir across the face with rattlesnake poison <laughs> or copperhead poison or whatever it is yeah. and, and get away with that in yeah. any world. And, and Mr. Sir takes it. Like, yeah. like even in the movie, John Voight's character is just like, yep, that's the cost of doing business. Like, <laughs> you're like, good Lord, man. Like, you why? need a union. You need something. <laughs> You need rights, dude. And in the end, you know, it's funny is like when we recorded this episode the first time, we like didn't even conclude that like Mr. Sir of the three. Yeah. Like even though John Voight's the worst person of the three in real life, like Mr. Sir is actually like the best of the three. Yeah. In the end, like because maybe we should (laughs) maybe we should talk about Mr. Pendansky uh, because Mr. Pendansky is this clever little vehicle. So we talked about uh, the Kate and uh sam storyline um mm-hmm. there's there's already racism addressed in this book but what's beautiful about this book is that's sort of the overt racism story right oh, i mean we know blatant. we we know what we're talking the about that sort of on it. but yeah. it gives um sort of it, it lends an air to the rest of the book which is definitely also about a lot of racism and so much of that is revealed in mr pendansky who is like a sort of therapist, a camp counselor of some yep. kind. It feels like he's maybe a, uh, he used to be some sort of child therapist and he he's, no longer has that license because he's really, really bad at his job. Yeah. He's like uh, somebody who has the, uh, has the qualification, but uh-huh. maybe not the actual like, um, diction to, yeah. to, to navigate conversations with children right. in the way that he does. But a lot of it is because like I had mentioned uh, before and not in this episode, but in our lost episode, <laughs> that um, I think he's racist. Yeah, and he is. He I think is. there's a lot of underlying things that he does, like tries to get um, the white kids on his side, essentially. Yeah, right. Um, throughout this book, like Stanley comes to camp, and Mr. Pendansky's really nice to yeah, Stan. Yeah, he's super sweet. Like, but he's zero, super sweet to him. Just gets thrown. He almost gets you on his side. Bu- yeah, right? yeah, exactly. You almost think Mr. Pendancy is going to be a voice of reason for you, and then you see how right. he treats Zero, and you're like, "What's that about? What's that disparity? Why would oh, he, he be like that?" Criminal. To, he's, to yeah, zero. he's really awful to him, and it it forces you to consider what 
could be at play what what's the right. at all possible reason what's the underlying reason yeah. is it and because it, he's illiterate or homeless yeah possibly right but is it also because he's black yeah most likely yeah. because of just the way he treats the other black children right. and the other hispanic kids like yeah. the way that he uh just so nonchalantly um treats x-ray uh poorly yeah like it's kind of amazing how confidently lewis satcher addresses race yeah. in this book i mean he it, when he's first introducing you to characters he's just <laughs> yeah. like and this kid's black and this kid's black and this kid's hispanic and these two are yep. white and you're like why am i being sort of given right. it's why a, is like, this important? you're, you're all, especially now like in 2023 it's hard to trust old yes. fiction so you you start to hear that right. something you're like what are we doing what's going Uh-oh. on and <laughs> hey please it, please it, don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all serving a purpose in this one right. which is to like help Shut. you understand these subtle dynamics that the rest of the book is going to play with and especially the one that got me the most is when stuff is really uh escalating and the whole time the warden is very afraid of the ag coming to town but you know the, the law is actually going to show up and if they show up they're going to see that this uh this camp is a criminal enterprise this is a horrible not well well it's just kind of crazy that the ag like in this book is probably like a totally cool person and is totally <laughs> chill like <laughs> Uh, because like most AGs, like in the state of Arkansas, sure. actually suck, <laughs> and it's like kind of wild well, that there would be a red state like Texas or yeah. wherever they're at that actually has an AG that well, would not be on board with beating children. And the first <laughs> like, thing that happens dude. when the AG like steps out of her car is it's yep. addressed that she's a Hispanic woman, That's and you're like, right. that seems like such a superfluous detail. But she yep. steps out of her car, she takes one look around, she and can she sniff the yep. racism in the air, yep. and she goes, hmm. We're ah. gonna take a closer look at this <laughs> place. This I place think down. I know what's happening here. Yeah. I've kind of seen this before in my life, and yeah, and, and even to the extent of like, there's a moment where it's like, you know, can we get zero out of here? And she is very quick to find any excuse of like, yeah, uh, zero's not gonna stay at this camp. He's gonna come with us uh, because this oh. is this isn't a camp at all. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes blatantly clear that, um, you know, that there's basically three criminals running this place. And the actual, the children that have been um, so luckily put into this camp have, have, uh, yeah. Yeah, this was supposed to be the alternative to Mm -hmm, jail time, right? For all these kids. This is some sort of juvenile detention center uh, that is uh, a commentary on the prison industrial complex. (laughs) And the whole point is these kids are working <laughs> as indentured servants. Yeah, exactly. Indentured servitude <laughs> in the favor of the owners of jail systems and the gambling of the lives of people that work in for as free labor in the right. in the you know penitentiary system. Like that's cr- a crazy it's a sort crazy of step book. that Lewis gets away with. It's really amazing that you get to like put this line of thinking into. I mean, the end of the book. It's like. I mean, especially, oh my gosh, that's maybe the best addition in the movie. Like the end, of the, when he's leaving Camp Green, like it's mentioned, mm-hmm. like, and for the first time in a century, rain started to fall. But that's in the, so cute. In the yeah. movie, it's that beautiful scene of rain starts falling yeah. and all the kids are like opening their mouths to catch the water and They're like just like playing and it's amazing. Yes. And like oh, to see all of these kids, I, I think the coolest element of this book is it doesn't specifically address like every single kid's backstory and right. you definitely could this book could have been twice as long and been yep. like a study 
of every kid's thing. You you could you right. could rewrite this book from every perspective with the new oh, kid's yeah. backstory, and it'd be like a fascinating thing. But what I love about what the book does already is this idea that yeah, Stanley showed up and is is under a false crime, right? But some of right. these other kids might have committed crimes. Like they might have actually done real crimes. But like in right. Zero's case, the only one you actually get some real backstory to, in Zero's case, it's like a part of his survival mechanisms, right? Yeah. And you get that sense of these are all kids. These are all just people sort of thrown here due to the means of their their upbringing, their backs, you know, whatever they have going on. No one deserves to be at this camp not right. a single one of these kids deserves this well you do say that hold on you do say that and magnet <laughs> did steal cars <laughs> you mean, I mean twitch? like twitch is the I, one that right oh twitch magnet yeah, yeah, steal yeah. stuff in general but oh, magnet's yeah, yeah, a yeah. car stealer twitch yeah but, yeah but yeah, even yeah. still within that like you it you still get the sense of despite whatever their crimes were first right. off they're kids second off it there's no way it begets digging a hole five foot by like five cubic every feet day. of dirt every single day every for day 18 for months. months or longer right. yeah right. that's not an equitable and if you treatment. and the only days off you get are if you find something interesting right. or you injure yourself <laughs> yeah oh and and like and there's like a, the whole setup to that is barf bag yeah exactly the kid before barf bag intentionally getting a rattlesnake bite so just that so that he home. could get out yep like it does set up it sets up so well man this book is so good <laughs> yeah yeah every element um, of it there's just again not only is there no wasted space within the mysteries there's no wasted space within the subtleties and the context and the 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 you know the it's messages so, it's it's a master class it is a, it's a master class by lewis i yeah. think the other thing too is like you said it is subtle i love how there's not at at any point besides the scene with sam mm -hmm. there's no blatant racism right and and how and how he veils mr pendansky's yeah. racism is incredible right. because if you can pick up on that lesson that is in this book and in the movie because i think it's pretty prevalent in the movie as well yeah if you pick up on that lesson you're going to start recognizing more people like him because he is way more common than somebody like uh, Trout Walker or whatever that guy's yeah. name is, right? Like he, there's there are far less people who are blatantly racist right. versus people who are who don't even realize that they're being racist. Right. Probably it's it, right. It sends such like a, it's a subconscious. Right. It it sends a subconscious picture into especially young readers' minds. They get right. a, a realistic look at this stuff. Whereas I think you know I, I think back to Root Magic and I loved that book, but something Root Magic does a little bit is the you know the racist in that book uh isn't just is an obvious horrid villain and that's the kind of thing that in so much fiction lets people get away of, with weird things because it's like we can all point to like well i'm not racist like that absolute monster and it's right. like well that's not what common this right. book shows what common racism looks like and how it affects Mr. Pendansky people. exactly is a is such a i mean like I think that this should be a study, like a a study in like how to like recognize yeah. people who you may not find are being right. maybe outwardly racist, but people who definitely hold biases and prejudices yes. against others based on the color of their skin. It makes me wish I were like 
a teacher in a school or a fly on the wall during a class where you could sit down with like, you know, junior high to early high school students and be like, hey, everyone, let's just sit here and talk for a minute. What do you think of Mr. Pendansky? (laughs) Tell me what you think about Mr. Pendansky's character. No, just have them list their favorite characters and see how many people say Mr. Pendansky. Right, and see see what you can kind of unpack with that. It's such a fascinating thing to dissect. Because to our main character, guess who is really nice to him? exactly. And that's, oh man, what an incredible job yeah, yeah. <laughs> this book does, Yeah, it's, top it's, to bottom. It's really good, y'all. Uh, so please, if you've never read it, I mean, maybe we didn't, act, it seems like maybe we successfully didn't spoil too much in, of this mystery this book. This time, by talking because about last yeah. time we were oh, like. Oh, we definitely, uh, yeah, I, I think we probably did. But I, I, I'm very just like excited to have done this one. It makes me want to go check out oh, some yeah. more of these classics to, mm-hmm. to sort of be able to reevaluate them. Uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe I I'll really like the hatchet this time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, maybe I'll be I super into it. I know I liked it as a yeah. kid for, I, but like was I was fine. a Boy Scout, so I don't know. I was like, yeah, this kid seems like he's doing Boy Scout stuff, but I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I can't think of what it did further than that. But uh, next week is what we promised you last week. We got two weeks of some upcoming uh, interesting things. We got a book of poetry and we got a graphic novel coming up. So some change of format uh, for the, the types of, uh, fiction and or nonfiction. It's actually nonfiction poetry that we're going to talk oh, about my in an upcoming goodness. episode. I'm very hey, excited and for I'm, that one. I'm 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 knee deep in this stuff right now. Yeah, and yo, we're I don't know that either of us are prepared for where that I, episode's going to go. That conversation is going to be <laughs> something else. So that'll be a different podcast entirely, possibly. Yep. So yeah, um, yeah, nonfiction po- po- poetry by uh, Julia Alvarez, uh, the woman I kept to myself. Amazing. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I'm halfway through that, and I've read the graphic novel. Just a little spoiler uh, teaser. Um, I am very excited for uh, one of these. <laughs> so. Yeah, that'll be fun to dissect. You know, it's interesting because we've been actually quite positive on, on this show, even though the whole pitch of this show was originally, like, I guess we said we'll make fun of your children for you for reading dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. reality is, EJ and I don't want to read books we think are bad. I mean, yeah. what's beautiful is so many of these times, we go into a book not knowing if we're going to like it at all. We just yeah, grab it. We grab it off bad. the shelf and go for it. We just happen to have read mostly bangers. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, that's that's incredible. You know what? I think it's just that I think that um, you know, I went to school for something adjacent to to right. writing and literature and stuff like that. So yeah. I I've always appreciated it and I always appreciate the type of mind it takes to weave yeah. a story that is for everybody but in in more specifically is for children. Right. And I think that it's just so cool that they're so, that, you know, I would say it's probably a, an oversaturated market, but sure. I think in the end, like, it's just a, it's just a wealth, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like you just, you get the benefit of reading all of these different perspectives and yep. all of these unique takes on ways of yeah. telling stories. And, and that's true of any that's true of any book, right? Sure. Like not just children's books, but to see it on, on this level where we may not have thought that we would see um, maybe as, as smart or as intelligent yeah. writing, that's just not true at all of children's books. And I think that's a conclusion that halfway through kind of this first season of this show <laughs> yeah. that we're drawing now is right. that these books are, 
hyper intelligent. They right. are they are they come from a place of intelligence. They yeah. come from a place of education. Right. They come from a place of wanting to teach children to be better yeah. than than the people who've left it. So right. um I I just I just can't Beautiful. say enough about every book we've read. Really, even from Percy Jackson all the yeah. way to, no, for sure. to Root Magic. Yeah. I mean, it's just every book in between has just been absolutely amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's uh, let's go out with another beautiful little poem. Uh, I've got one here for you. I've, I, I've okay. done this joke before, but I'm doing it again. And EJ <laughs> got to lead with it. So now we get to bookend this with uh, <clears throat> A-R-M-P-I to the T. What's that you're smelling, dog? That's me. I don't take showers. I don't brush my teeth. All I do is dig holes, eat, and sleep. <laughs> oh, dig it up, up, oh, dig it, dig it, dig it up, oh, oh. oh.